You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Podcast. This is episode number 111 of East Central Welcome to the, yeah, it's episode 111, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Morrill, and I'm joined by co-host Dakota Davis and uh, two randoms here, I guess. Today's episode features our featured guest, Sean Rao, and then uh, uh, Mason. And- <laughs> yep, that's about been the it. punching bag all day. Mason Roddinghouse, the Purdue University student. Yes, today we are going to be talking about uh, universities and colleges and how they get priced and where your tuition money goes. Then we will also be talking about Elizabeth Warren and her plan for student loan forgiveness. Um, so we have Sean over here who went through all kinds of school because he's a lawyer. And then we have a current college student here to uh, talk about the issue of college with us. And then at the very end of the show, in like four hours, we are going to discuss the city of Newcastle and Mayor Greg York giving an update on the 1400 Plaza. So this show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we will provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh. But hopefully you always learn something new. This promises to be the longest episode we've ever had. We brought two pages of show notes and a four-page pa- four addendum. Yes. This is going to be a train wreck of train wrecks, Dakota. I don't think so. Uh, and, and the best part I'm, is everybody's going, I didn't read the show notes. I have no idea what yes. they say. I'm, I'm confident in our two guests. Uh, neither one of them are like uh, Travis Wyke and are <laughs> going to just uh, go through every single bullet point and make it a 30-minute talking point. So hopefully we get through it in a reasonable amount of time. But there's a lot to unpack with colleges uh, because if you're going to talk about student loan forgiveness, you have to talk about, well, why are we taking out loans? Because it's expensive. Well, why is it expensive, and how did it get that way? So there's just there's so much. There's a, a page and three quarters of actual show notes that I wrote, and there was so much more I could have put down. It's uh yeah, it, it, we're gonna tackle all of college education and the funding in you know, in thirty minutes, and you're gonna know everything you need to know. I really think that if uh, our congressman listens to this, Greg Pence, he will come up with some sort of resolution to deliver to the House, and uh, it could possibly be signed into law because of us. I, I think that this so, show is that extensive. I would have worn a suit if I knew it was going to be that serious. <laughs> this is why I wore the suit. <laughs> I just came here for Sean, work. Sean's trying to get noticed. Yeah. So uh, real quick reintroductions. Uh, everybody that's here has been on the program before. But, Sean, this is your third time on the program. Trifecta. Trifecta. You are uh, you're going towards we need a bio on the website status at this right. point. I'm, I'm uh, chief legal uh, counsel for the Boss Hog. <laughs> Yeah, only very, because you have good taste in beer. That's right. It's true. And you're, you're the only one the, that will talk to us. That gets the, my foot in the door <laughs> in most places with most people. Is beer still allowed? That was the, that like was the, the all yeah. you wanted to know this morning was, hey, is, is beer still allowed on the show? I just don't want to get banned. Like I've, I heard you guys have the ban hammer on, on a mm-hmm. few people. Well, if you, Chase came back, so Chase, Chase got the ban hammer off of him. So yeah. he, it was lifted and he was able to come back with Eric Schonsberg and, uh, he didn't. He didn't say any more curse words. So he we're going to let him come back again. He did show up. If you listened to last week's Patreon portion of the show, Chase showed up with a old rotten banana oh, <laughs> as mm-hmm. a as a gift, and then the gift kept giving because he, it was he, still on the table yep. when I came back in today. He, he, let, he didn't take it with him. It was rotting Fragrant. a week ago, <laughs> and it only got better with time. Fragrant, yeah. It's a very good banana for banana bread. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
I guess uh, I guess we probably should go dig it out of the trash and let, yep. your, let your bride cook up some. That is bread. something that we could maybe fix up for the Patreon people. Um, <laughs> banana bread, yeah, banana bread. <laughs> but for now, we're just going to thank the people that are fifty dollars and up, and you guys are the lifeblood of the show. And you, everything you do, we greatly appreciate. So thank you to Christopher Bilbrey of Perception Is Reality in Winchester, Indiana, Brantley Spicer. Christy Avery, Jonathan Phillips, and Craig DaCosta. Brantley Spicer is also running for city council in uh, Muncie. Ward so, 3. Yep. The, no, District no, 3. No, District 3. They have districts up there. I, I feel like if, if you're going to support uh, Chris Bilbrey and his business, you need to mention the rest of them. Brant's selling insurance now up in Muncie. So if you, yeah, want, if you want the all-state insurance, go uh, go hit him up. Chris, I was, I was Christy going to Avery say offers to, parking. to donate to Brant's. Or, or you can do that. Pay. Christy Avery offers, offers parking in Fort Wayne. The best parking John, there is. John Phillips down at the uh, Andy... Andy Moore Buick GMC and Fishers and Craig DaCosta, the other attorney to Ooh. the stars. Oh, yeah. Excellent. But he's, he's, in, he's in Hawaii. He's so in you Hawaii. just go, you just go visit him on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> if they on vacation and in need, I don't know who to call. He's the one that you call whenever you get a DUI in Hawaii. Some, too many Mai Tais and <laughs> Phoenix Coladas. That's it. I drove right off the island. Call Craig. <laughs> All right, so if you don't want to support the show on Patreon, but you want to help uh, help us out a little bit, then there are a couple ways you can do that. You can do that by fulfilling our wishes of new equipment and the upgrades that we need around this place to make it even better. Uh, you can find all of those on the Amazon wish list. Just search Boss Hog of Liberty on Amazon. Uh, we also have some merchandise stores on tchip.com, and it's slash bhol1, bhol2, bhol3. And then we also... Slash all the numbers. Yes. Just one through three for now, until I add more. <laughs> and you, we also have the GoFundMe page set up. And the GoFundMe is set up so that we can upgrade our camera equipment. And uh, that's just going to help us take... A, it's just going to take us to the next level. It'll solve the problem we had last week of, uh, yeah. of the front end of the video being a mess. Yep. We That'll never it. happen again. I might get it uploaded to YouTube in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we live in Mevo's world. All right, so Mason, you're you're here. You're a college student. You've just completed mm-hmm. your first year at the Purdue University. The Purdue University, and not uh, so much about it. How did uh, how, how's how's this, the the life going up there? Did you did they say, hey, you are a great student? It's completely free, no loans. You're good to go. Yeah, that's not how it goes. That's not uh, how it worked out. Didn't work out like that at all. So you have you're going to have some firsthand experience with some of the stuff we're going to talk about. A little bit. All right. You on track to amass like $250,000? Oh, no, not that much. Not that much at all. <laughs> but I mean, it's going to be a significant amount. So we'll be there. Well, we've got some info. The uh, Purdue is Purdue's the school that I kind of identified. As we get into this, we'll get, to, we'll get to talk about it a little bit. But Purdue University has done some things to control tuition and to, yeah. to try to create different opportunities. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. So Dakota, you have provided the guide. You did the uh, the legwork, and you are going to lead us through the outline. <clears throat> I'm going to do my best. I, I'll I'll do my best. Everybody, just uh, make a train behind me. I'll be the line leader. <laughs> so the the first thing that I feel like, I feel like that needs some music. To, uh... <laughs> Our producer slacking, but <laughs> oh, I just he's, got he's a looking. Death he's looking. He's, Ooh. He's lurking over there. <laughs> it's going to be, I guarantee that he's going to click a button 
and it's either going to blow your combine. Turn your volume down now. <laughs> Second of all, wait for the ad. <laughs> it'll, be a, it'll be a YouTube ad, and, and, and you're going to blow your ears off. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is how how college pricing works. Where where How did we get to the point where colleges cost so much money? Why does it cost Mason so much money to go to Purdue University, which is actually significantly less than a lot of the other large universities around the nation? Uh, because of Mitch Daniels up there, and we'll get more into that in a little bit. But uh, basically, I I I went through like four uh, links. I, I I used a lot of different sites for this. So if you are a Patreon member and you're like, there's no links to click on in the show notes, it's because there's too just <laughs> there's <laughs> too many. There's so many links for like every single one of these bullet points. Uh, but basically, what it boils down to is there was a a lot of people in government and. Uh, they they thought, hey, we need to work harder to make college and higher education more available to every American. Every that's your, that's your trains. Ah, that's not a song. That's just the rumble of a train. Thought, if we I opened the door, was... we'd hear that rolling through over here. You didn't ask for songs. You said, <laughs> "I want to hear trains." I hear the train a coming. All right. I was going seventies disco party music is what I thought was coming. Yeah. I was, Soul I was, train? yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I was thinking, all aboard, baby, bang, bang, <laughs> yeah. So it's we a, were all on different pages. <laughs> I'm thinking of an actual train, Mason. Uh, somebody's like, hey, I need some train music. What, what are you giving us, <laughs> Mister Frat Boy? <laughs> I'm thinking something you're going to listen to on the train, not like just like some trains in the background. Is is train music similar to like elevator music? I'd say something like that. Hopefully, depends on what kind of train. It's just Frank Sinatra, more like a... Kenny G, like <laughs> Kenny G. Yeah, just some clarinet back there. Kenny G is a saxophone player. We'll forgive you. You're not actually graduated from college yet, so there's no reason you should know that. He's you're not so, old. He's so much younger than you. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, I'm the oldest okay. person in this room, and I just realized it. <laughs> That's just sad. Thirty years on me. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so, hey, Dad. The uh, well, that's actually close to being. <laughs> there were there were a lot of things that really revolutionized uh, the American collegiate level of education. Um, a lot of very significant turning points. I think one of the earliest turning points that we have, like on record that we that we can tell made huge leaps and bounds in the amount of people that were going to college was actually the um the GI bill which was signed into law in 1944 and by 1947 just under 50% of Americans that were attending college and university were recipients of the GI bill so it that dramatically changed the amount of people that were attending college uh, compared to the hundreds of years before that, where it was just a very affluent white male culture on colleges all across the nation. And now the people who are coming in from fields of battle could go to college and, and learn. And there were thousands of men and women that were educated because of that. And what ha- what's happened is you have basically an almost endless supply of revenue available. So it's not market driven so to say that well college is too expensive so i can't do it because you've got people that just have a voucher for free education so it's good mm-hmm. for whatever you want it to be uh, if you're talking about the gi bill at that time or 
eventually the next the next step that came along is that you had government backed student loans right. that allowed Mason, who's not credit worthy in any way, yeah. to go sign up for I don't know twenty twenty five thousand dollars a year in federal student loans, federal and private student loans, if you wanted to do it. Yep. I would assume. And th- we, we've this- not talked about the financials. I just I just did a little bit of brief. How much is it, what's the most you ever spent at Aldi or whatever or Walmart? And you're like oh, eighty bucks. <laughs> so or, that wasn't true. That was uh, we bought some groceries once. You bought you bought three hundred dollars worth of groceries one time, right? <laughs> once. So before a lot of wrong. Uh, whenever we the government first started handing out um, federally subsidized student loans, it they weren't even covering the full cost of your education, even though college back then might have cost you. $2,000 a year for Purdue University or something. I don't know how much Purdue actually charged in the in the late 60s and early 70s, but that's it they didn't even cover the entire amount. Like you yeah. were still on the hook for like a thousand bucks, which could you imagine going you right now that you're like, "Man, I got to pay $1,000 to to get uh, through the the rest of the year at college." Like you would be like I gotta pay a thousand bucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, we could talk about how how you piece it together, and I think I think when we get to the end of this story, there are options and ways you can get through without without having to take this debt on. But back in my day, uh, which I know has been fifteen years since I started college, but Ivy Tech was fifteen hundred bucks a semester. Like it was it was about three hundred dollars a class. You could work and make it happen and get your first two years. Uh, it's all about the decisions you make, right? But there's this weird thing that we have in our culture right now where it's like 18-year-olds are expected to know exactly what they want to do for the rest of their entire adult lives. And you are going to be shouldered with $100,000 of debt on a, for a decision that you made at the age of 18. You can and end up being something stupid like an attorney. Yeah. yeah. Or, or worse, a philosopher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I was going to school for. Yeah. So, I, I feel I'll like think so about that at Hanover. I, I no, at Taylor. <laughs> yeah, no. I feel like philosophy. I feel like philosophy and like uh, psychology four year degrees. Mm-hmm. Those are the degrees that you get whenever you sign up for college and you just don't really know what you want to do. And but you're like, philosophy is pretty interesting. The philosophy is really hard work, though. And That's people true. people think that it's, it's hard to find work as a stand up philosopher. It is hard, <laughs> but it, it's challenging academic work too, and it it prepares you for a lot of a lot of people go out of that and become attorneys be, for that reason because there's a lot of writing and a lot of uh, analytical thinking that's required for for sure uh, for a position like that. So there's something to it, but um, it's certainly not something where there's a philosophy store and I go work on philosophy. If you got <laughs> seriously, no matter what you're doing right now, driving your car, I don't care. I want you to send me an email right now, Jeremiah at BallSoccerLiberty.com. If you got my stand-up philosopher joke, I, I, I want an email. I didn't know. It went over my head. You did, it, it went over, over yours too. Yeah. Oh man. Anybody? Anybody in the room? No. He's so old. Mel Brooks. It was Mel Brooks. <laughs> History of the world. I should know. I, should I, know I, I thought yeah. I was going to connect with Sean on that, that one. By bad. God damn it. it. Really? Uh, I mean, like. Somebody, I didn't get it. Somebody, I but, somebody's gonna email me and say, "Yes, I got that." But you now, and I are probably the only two that actually seen that movie. So, yeah, I've never seen it. <laughs> but now, now what has happened with uh, with the business of student loans is like it's very similar to the meme that I posted on the Ball Soccer Liberty page today before the show, and it's uh, a scene from Fairly Odd Parents, and it's 
Timmy Turner selling lemonade at a lemonade stand. Kid comes up and the sign says 25 cents. Lemonade, 25 cents. And the kid goes, oh, look, that's perfect. I have a federal loan for 25 cents. And then Timmy Turner goes, oh, wait. And then goes and replaces a sign and it says 40 cents. And that's been happening for decades now. The goalpost so moves and moves and moves. You can get um, federal student loans. I think this is per a per semester. There were a lot of different figures I looked at. So I think this is a per semester. It'd be $31,500. Uh, I'm not sure that could be yearly. I actually think that's over four years. You can only yeah. pull out. Was it? There are different I programs. Think it's, yeah. I think it's... It, 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 that's the federally guaranteed. Yeah. You, you run to a certain uh, oh. point as an individual where you can get that much in mm-hmm. student lo- in federal student loans, and then you can go to the unsecured market, and then you can also go to the right, next right, level right, right. of parent plus. So when you've extended every nickel that you can borrow, yep. Mason, then it becomes mom and dad's job when you get into that third or fourth year of school and – Damn it, we got to get him through. He's got to finish or else it's better than just a giant, enormous waste of time. Now mom and dad have to sign up for the Parent PLUS loans right. where you each, yep. they basically co-sign for you and maybe you each do half. Yeah, so for like for the first year, I think it's a guaranteed $5,500. And after, like they say, oh, you're going to go back to school, they'll give you a little bit more each each time and eventually adds up to, I think, around there. Um, it's, I mean... I can't say anything. I pull them out. So it's, it, I think it's a little bit of a small amount, 31,000. I mean, in no way, shape or form do I like loans, um, especially student loans, but we all need to get that insane amount from somewhere to pay for it. So do you, so let's, let's talk about this as a student going in. Did you sit down with a guidance counselor or your mom and dad or go to something on campus and say, Hey, this is your, these are your options for what to do, or is it just uh, fill these forms out and, and find, uh, find a way to cobble we together? We really sat down with uh, an advisor from, I think it's Invest Ed from Indiana. Um, and originally I wasn't going to Purdue, I was going to Butler. And, you know, Purdue is an in state school. An in state, it's better in football. Yeah, I, you can say that. Um, well, it's also a third of the cost of Butler because it's in for state. a year because it's a state college. And I really said, though Butler gave a lot of assistance, it didn't come down to Purdue. This year at Purdue, I paid, I believe, $2,400. Like with the $5,500 loan, I paid 2400 out of that fifty five. Like if I wouldn't have pulled the loan, that's how much out of pocket I would have paid for the year. $2,400. $2,400. Because you you had scholarships. I or, had one some... one-time scholarship through the Community Foundation, but also Purdue does this really cool thing now. They introduced it this last year. It's called the Boiler Affordability Grant. And if you live in a household that makes less than $70,000, based off that, you know, you give your FAFSA and everything and your financial aid eligibility, and they give you so much off that. And whatever scholarship you bring in, they also, it fluctuates because I started out with like $11,000 in that affordability grant. So that's half of total costs for Purdue because it's like 22600 something like that. And I got an $8,000 scholarship through the Community Foundation. And based off that, they changed how much I got in that affordability grant because if they would have kept it the same before that scholarship, you would have had money towards. I would have had right? money towards next year, but then they took some away out of that grant, and then I ended up owing 
money to the university to go for the year. Yep. <laughs> it's complicated. It, that's it, what I mean. Yeah. That's that's what I was talking about. There's so much to unpack whenever you're talking about uh, college and pricing and how it got this way. I I spent like the last few days. Uh, I usually listen to podcasts while I'm driving around for work. And this time I just had YouTube videos about college education playing in the background. I listened to like Dave Ramsey talk about college education and he gave like, his was like, uh, something like 75 minutes. There was so much in that. And I was like, I wish I could just like retain all of this and then spit it out verbatim. So the decisions, (laughs) the decisions that you make now decide how long you're going to be paying student loans for though. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. you can make, you know, your housing choice, right? You when you when you applied for housing at Purdue, you had to say, Hey, I want to be in the fancy air conditioned, I don't want to have a roommate dorm, or I want to be in whatever the cheapest thing is you have available. Absolutely. And it's a and, few thousand and they, dollars. And they and don't different. show you the prices. They don't show you the prices of housing. It's just you put them, rank them in order from like apartment or single with AC, double with AC. Um, and a couple other. Surely that's on Reddit. AC. You got to be able to do your legwork and figure that out, right? I'm not wasting my time. I'm just going to apply. <laughs> it's only a four thousand um, dollar conversation. Um, well, I'm not wasting my but, time. Why should he be the one to decode all this? Why shouldn't <laughs> right, it just yeah. be? Why isn't there pricing? an upfront price? Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. They don't show you the prices, so I mean, you can go on their website and see like the rooming contracts and things like that, and that's for every university and. I wasn't wasting my, like, I, I'm going to school. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to school. So I was like, apartment with AC. And I mean, I only paid, I think it was $2,400 for rooming. Like basically and with everything coming through. And then board, right? Room and board. So board, board, board being the food. Yeah. You have a food plan to pick, right? Well, yeah, you know, I picked and, that unlimited. It, it depends like, on how many <laughs> breakfasts you require. I picked that unlimited. He's like, you know, I picked the unlimited. I, I got that I, unlimited I with want that the fresh, extra cast. I want that freshman 40. <laughs> it's like, it was like, I could just, I, it was like a universal pass. It's like, that's, but that's a, that's a similar theme on a lot of different college campuses. It's like a cable company. They're like, um, it's, your bill's going to be this much with just internet. But for f- only $5 more a month, you can get our basic cable package. Your 30 channels. But along with the basic cable package, we have to sell you the landline too. Yep. But if you pay $10 more than that, then you can get more channels on your television and long distance calls on your landline. And you're like, what What even is all this? It's a, there's a, a lot to decipher, but you're talking about thousands of dollars being made a thousand dollar decisions being made and they're not even telling you the price now i'll tell you this i think <laughs> i'm gonna be honest i swear the place that where they get you in college is the is the meal plans i swear i mean trust me i ate my fair share <laughs> i ate so much Purdue's got pretty food. good food though. oh it was yes, qua- they do. quality and um, they have their own on-site slaughterhouse. The beef has got to be phenomenal. It's the butcher block, the boiler butcher block. <laughs> it's it's great. I toured it. It's a brand new building. It, it's it's. Nice. I went into the kill room. It was great. And um, I think the unlimited the meal plan I had was six thousand dollars. Now, if I ate, I didn't eat six because you know they get that food dirt cheap. <laughs> like they get. A thousand. Yeah, it just comes in from Gordon Food Service. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's. I mean, they pay. So much less than I paid. I literally, I think for $6,000, I could have kept 
Like that paid for the whole entire food, I swear, for that whole entire dining court for the year. Like that's over that's over exaggerating, but I mean like six thousand dollars is probably like not much compared to how much comes in each kid depending on their meal plan, you know, and how much they buy in food for the dining halls. So the other tricky thing, and I don't know if you know this about Purdue or if they talked about this with you, but you can get through a, f- a four-year school in less than four years at Purdue. Basically, you are mm-hmm. you don't get charged per credit hour at some mm-hmm. universities. At, like when I, Ivy Tech and Indiana Wesleyan, the schools I attended, it's so much money per credit hour. Yep. At Purdue, you pay per semester. Per semester. So that's another opportunity for for people to to zip through quicker or save yep. some money. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not that smart. So <laughs> you're in an incredibly difficult <laughs> program. You're a pharmacy we're, student. We're we'll get through it. Uh, as long as it takes, we'll get we'll get there. We'll get through it. Uh, <laughs> I'm on the I'm going to graduate eventually program. We're I'm working on that six year degree. What it, it, it <laughs> takes it, over fifty per, over half of American college students. It takes longer than four years to get their four year. Absolutely, degree. I actually just saw a tweet today. It was ironic. Said just finished my two year associate's degree in seven years, and Let's, I was like. Okay. Okay. I'm still working on my associate's See? degree from it, it, whenever I was 18, too. So I don't think that's a problem. It's just it's <laughs> going to become a problem when you're paying all this money right here. That's it. I Sean, mean, Sean, you're in your mid-30s now. Yes. How familiar does this sound to your your college experience? Personally, um, I did not have to pay for tuition because my uh, I had a parent that was an employee of the university. But I did play, pay for room and board. Did want to have the campus experience. Um, so when I walk away from that, it's not really that substantial, but then when you pile on, you know, a couple of years of graduate school and, yep. uh, three years of law school, um, even working through a lot of those things, uh, it can, it can pile up quickly. Total non sequitur. Yes. When you went to Taylor, t- mm-hmm. Tyler, Tyler, uh, <laughs> was that the, the bus accident? Was that after you were, you already out the, the, on I-69? Yeah, I was, I was there. Student? Yeah. yeah, I was there, and I knew a couple of people on the. Yeah. Well, that's a way to bring down yeah. the bring down the show. Wow, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm sorry, we weren't. We were having such I, a joyous a, discussion <laughs> about such a joyous. So, so then there's this time all Sean's friends died in the interstate. <laughs> a few acquaintances, but uh, very very nice people, and uh, yeah. yeah, it was it was a tough time to be on campus yeah. at the time, and I can imagine. Uh, I just I literally yeah. just did the math, going, man, I was, was like, I remember was, how old I was at the time, and it makes sense. That was yeah. junior year, yeah, yeah. So anyway, you can all Google that before you were born. Yeah. <laughs> now, it, 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 the issue, I think, um, that the, the, inf- uh, the inflation adjusted tuition tripling over the last 30 years. I mean, there's like just such a just such a, uh, a quick uptick in the cost of loans um, that it doesn't really it's not really justified by anything other than. Uh, colleges want more and, and the spigots are open and they're going to get the money. Well, um, we, we have this, we've got this culture now in the, it, throughout the entire United States that you're in high school and every single teacher that you have mm-hmm. from the time that you're even in fifth grade is telling you, you have you, to go. once you get out of high school, then you got four more years of college and it's not even a question. You're going to college and I, I, whenever I was in high school and I was looking at colleges, went on a couple of different campus tours, actually enrolled and went to orientation at Indiana, IU East. 
um, my senior year. You were just following your girlfriend. We all know that. Yeah. No, she was going to a university of Indianapolis at that time. Anyway. <laughs> so then I'm like, you know what? I really have no idea what I want to do with my life. Yeah. So I was going to be, uh, I was going to be taking a lot of philosophy classes and psychology classes, just like I talked about sure. earlier. Sure. And, I'm like, what do I, what do I want to do? And I'm looking at all these different careers and I bounced around everywhere. I'm like, I can be a chiropractor or I could be a marketing specialist. Mm -hmm. Like it, I had no, no idea. And then I decided, you know what? I like working with my hands a lot. I'd been in the building trades program and I job shadowed an electrician. And I I just decided, you know what? I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to be an electrician. And everybody freaked out. My, uh, the guidance counselor at school and every single teacher that I told this to all said the exact same thing. And it was, you can't do that. You're too smart to not go to college. Think about your future. And I was even told by one teacher, don't you want to be able to provide a living for your future family? Oh yeah. Because you can't do that as an electrician, as it turns out, you can't do that unless you go to college. And, uh, I, I haven't looked back. Yeah, I'd, there were a few times where I was uh, slightly disappointed, and the biggest was thing questioning the biggest thing myself. You miss out on is discounted st- software. Well, I it was whenever, yeah, <laughs> whenever I, uh, whenever I was seeing pictures of Chase, whenever he was at Liberty University, and he's partying it up down there with Jerry Falwell, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm seeing all my friends that did go to college, and they're having so much fun, and here I am working seven 12-hour days on a construction site. I'm like, you know what? They were all right. But but you were you had the, <laughs> the funds to prove to yourself that this was, yeah. a, this was a good decision. Well, you know, and, then I bought a house, and, yeah. you know, I mean, it, I think, it went okay. I think that... I think the tide's kind of turning though, as far as cultural attitudes, because I think growing up that was very similar, uh, to my upbringing. And I'm, I'm glad I went to college. It's not, I shouldn't have went to college because without that, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. Um, but it's just not for everybody. It's not a universal thing where, where the Democrats and the left lose me as somebody that's open-minded is that they want to make college a universal Right. Whoever can go to college can go to college. And it's just, it's just, that's not really how this is going to work going forward. Yeah. It's not, it's not Uh, a great idea because it's so it's, it's, it, if you, if you take something special and then you flood the market with it, it is no longer special. And we already have projections that by 2030, 65% of jobs in the United States are going to require a four-year college degree. That's a lot of jobs. A lot of the jobs out there are going to require a four-year college degree. If college becomes a a right instead of a privilege and it is afforded to everyone at no cost, you have no skin in the game whenever you get it, then imagine how much higher that number is going to go. And the people that that don't make it out of college, the... the, uh, uh, 37% of American college students that don't actually graduate, uh, what happens to them? Where are they going to go? What jobs do they have? Well, they'll, they'll eventually migrate to some other place as far as in, in the workforce. But I don't know if you're, you're familiar with like this old house. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. watch it every week religiously. And I'm the, more of an ask this old house guy. Oh, than okay. this old I, house like, guy. I like both because it takes me about an hour to drink coffee on Saturday. <laughs> 
So I'm drinking my coffee on Saturday watching this old house. And then one of the things they've really promoted. Richard Tithui is my guy. I don't know Richard. about you. Oh, yeah. Big Richard uh, fan. I'm a big Norm guy. Oh, yeah. you old man. Uh, yeah. Norm, Norm and, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway. Uh, We've lost Mason completely <laughs> once again. They're pushing. He has no idea. I'm, one of the big one of the big mm-hmm. initiatives that they're pushing is the trades. The trades. That yeah. There are so many people that are in the trades now that are going to be retirement age, like oh, for sure. Norm. Um, you know, people of that age, Tommy that Silva, Tommy Silva is going to retire someday. It's like, um, we, they sh- I mean, there should be hero cards for these men, but who's, so, who's going to come up in the trades and be, because there'll be tons of jobs available to people. Well, and it's well, not, I mean, I, I've, I've been on the construction sites yeah. and I've seen it and uh, you have older folks who are in their late fifties mm. starting to get towards 60. And a lot of those guys are really, really smart. They're very intelligent. Uh, of course, I was in the electrical industry. I was an industrial electrician, yeah. uh, so running big pipe for wire and things. And a lot of those guys, you they, idiot. they don't know run math. electricity through pipes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's where the internet comes out of. Comes what out do of I pipes. know? It's all pipes. <laughs> uh, dang it. I've been a plumber all this time. <laughs> I've been a Richard Trithu. <laughs> yeah. So they, but a lot of these guys are really, really, really good at math. And, then you have the people who, if there were younger people on the construction side, a lot of times I was the only guy. I was the only one that bridged the gap between. You were in charge of pairing yeah. your iPhones to their cars, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, the, I was. I was one of the only uh, millennials on a job site for multiple times, yeah. and it was if a, another young person did come on the site and they were going to be a construction helper. And then half the time they they were the the bottom scrapings. They had been in a lot, a lot, a lot of trouble in their past, and they just needed something that they could make money. Mm-hmm. And not not that those people shouldn't have jobs, and not that those people can't be good at construction jobs. But we, it was if, a last if it continues on to on that balance. If it continues on that path, then you will have such a great imbalance of all of these people who were really, really intelligent being replaced with with people that this was just the backup plan of the backup plan, mm-hmm. you know. And they and they don't really care about the trade or their job, so they just do it for a paycheck. And you don't you don't want those people on a construction site for a couple of different reasons, or in your house, or yeah, it <laughs> whatever. It, it just makes yeah. it. It's not. It's not a good working environment yeah. whenever if so, a site gets inflated with them. So let's attempt to uh, divert back in so we can keep this under five hours today. The, Probably not. We, we've looked at we've looked at trades. We've looked at the you know the the headwinds that you have as a student today as you're as you're coming in. Uh, modern policy, current policy, and this is what got Sean booked on the show this week. It was his views. One of the presidential candidates, this, this is kind of the cycle we've gotten into here on the show, is we look at these presidential candidates who are mostly the Democrats, because there's not, there's only the one on the, or the, well, there's one and then there's a fake Republican on the, on the uh, GOP side. Um, <clears throat> by the way, that guy watched me, me and Dakota speak once. Um, <laughs> he clapped for me. He did. He was very proud of us. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, totally off topic, but we have these policy initiatives that are coming about, and one of them is Senator Elizabeth Warren. Um, who is talking about student loan forgiveness. And she has a plan that she's rolled out that Sean says, hey, let's actually have a conversation about this because 
one side is trying to do something and talking about it and might win on the issue, whether they're right or not. And Republicans say, well, you need to be self-sufficient. Yeah. Right. That's the, that's the the boiled down version. Yeah. I mean, the self-sufficient message is uh, important in life, but for something that's so, so pervasive in the system, self-sufficiency is not going to solve this problem. And the fact that there are some on the left that are actually this saying that this is a real problem and that everyone else is on the right is saying, well, this isn't a problem at all, or I'm not going to say anything at all about it, um, is really discouraging. And I think there's fiscally responsive, responsible ways to address the student loan uh, debt issue. Um, and then I've, I've heard it said a lot uh, in the, the YouTube videos that I've been watching this past week. It, Everyone keeps saying, keeps comparing the looming student debt that is over the country, which is at $1.3 trillion right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they keep comparing it to the, uh, the housing bubble mm-hmm. and whenever it collapsed. And they say, you think that was bad? Mm-hmm. Just wait until 80. 90% of students are defaulting on their yeah. student loans and well, they can't declare bankruptcy. You can't. Yeah, I was going to say, federally, you cannot. They are with you until you're dead. You've either yeah. paid them or you've died right. or you are incapacitated. But right. There, right. That's are, the only way you get out of them. You cannot bankrupt them. There are a lot of college students that, or past college students, that they don't pay them. Mm-hmm. You can't default on them, but... You just can't pay them. And the reason that you can't default on a student loan or claim it in bankruptcy is because the government says... They've guaranteed it. Well, they say, um, uh, well, there's no collateral with an education. We can't steal your education back from you that we paid for. So there's 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 nothing that we can take back, which you probably can. I mean, the science is probably there now. We <laughs> could probably erase those, that past four years. A little ML, men in black thing, right? Yeah, we're just going to take this back. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, I, I do think that it's an issue and I think that it's important to be brought up. Uh, so Elizabeth I, Warren wants to go in and re- eliminate $640 billion worth of federal student loans. Right. Saying you could, uh, if you have a household income under $100,000, you could have $50,000 in debt canceled. Yep. And if you if you are a household making more than 250,000, then you would have to apply to have your portfolio uh, combed through with a fine tooth comb and then see if you would actually get student loan forgiveness, but you still wouldn't get the full 50,000. So in theory, let's, let's just talk about this for a half second and take this policy somewhat seriously. What happens to the family that makes $130,000 a year, a hundred and, say $120,000 a year. If you have two people that went to a four-year college, mm-hmm. let's say that you're hoping in 10 years out of school right. they're making 60 grand a piece. That's right. not an unreasonable expectation. Now they're over her $100,000 limit. What happens to those people? Well, I think I I think this is one of the weaknesses of the policy is that it's tiered, right? Mm-hmm. So that it's, if you're on a lower tier, I think it goes it doesn't start at 100,000, I don't think. I think it starts lower than that at like 50,000 or something like that. But if you're at a certain level, you'll get a certain amount forgiven, and that's decreased as your income increases, um, which I think is a real weakness to the to the um, to the plan because the people that are the higher wage earners are the people that are going to be owning the small businesses, yep. driving economic development in local communities like this one. They're the ones and, and, that are feeling the boat anchor of right of this, and, 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 and most uh, of the time, those folks are the ones who. 
uh, are, are the lawyers that are making more than yeah. that. And they they went to school for a really long time and amassed more student debt than the guy that can't pay his for his associate's degree. And then he makes 50 grand a year. The, all of this debt, what it does is it does, and studies have shown this, that it puts off milestones in your life. Mm-hmm. You buy a house later. You get married later. Yep. You have kids later, if at all. Um, and these are all things that, that slow the economy, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, as you're having kids, they're coming along faster. We need, you know, generations instead of, instead of replacing ourselves every 20 years, now we're replacing ourselves every 25, 30, 35, 40 years. Mm-hmm. So we're almost missing generations of American right. population that could be producing. Right. Right. They, yeah. Um, and Elizabeth Warren, she, you're already late having kids, Dakota. Uh-huh. And I'm twice as late. <laughs> I'm right on time. <laughs> You're just an overachiever, well, Mister. Wearing a suit and tie, wearing a suit and tie to the ball. I'm hog. a lawyer. Do? I wear glasses. <laughs> Those are stuff glasses. He doesn't really need them. These don't have any lenses. In them, so. <laughs> Clark can over Hipster there. glasses. Uh, she does have a. She does have a plan, and I'm using air quotes whenever I say that. And she proposes a a two percent tax. Um, on, I think it was net, the net worth of the richest 1% of Americans, um, which was, it's always those same people getting picked on Yeah, every time. How many times can you milk the same stone for, for old man yells at rich people? Uh, they, yeah, the, it, she's proposing a 2% tax and it's not on income. It is on some type of work and they're not calling it a tax. She's calling it a levy. Yeah, I mean it's the yeah. tomato, tomato, but at the same time, <laughs> levy um, is theft. I, <laughs> I mean, it, the idea is at least she's proposing something. Whereas Donald she's J. Trump, talking about it. Donald J. Trump has not pro- proposed. He, this has not been an issue he's talked about at all because he's like seventy and he doesn't really care about what happens to the when planet. He, in the next he went 10 to college, years, it, he it was two thousand dollars. And yeah. he was he went, the son of a billionaire, yeah. so there's he, no He went problem. to Wharton in the 70s, right? If it literally does not affect his family or one of his rich friends, he doesn't care. Yeah. And this has been your anti-Trump moment. <laughs> <laughs> I got it in. Is there theme music? No, of course not. No, there's trends. So I, I do have a list <laughs> of the, the pros and cons of her plan that that I was able to pull. I, I used uh, the Levy Economics Institute from Bard College, Um that sounds the, like a fake college. That sounds like Trump University. The the College of the Bards. Um, the, like an oblivion or something. Yeah, Bard, yeah exactly. <laughs> and um, they they had issued a, a paper that had some interesting numbers in it that said, uh, let's break this down by the numbers and see what the what this could impact if if her plan actually went through. And then the Manhattan Institute um, they released a similar study, but it was all just trashing it. Like, this is a horrible idea. So I took three bullet points from each of them. Um, so we already talked about college debt is linked to uh, delayed milestones in adulthood. So you get rid of the, the debt. Maybe we would return back to these traditional milestones. And you'd have people that can spend money do start a business or do buy right. a car or, or whatever that they're so it's similar to what we talked about with, uh, Eric Schonsberg with the universal basic income right. last week, you know, right. Like, it does tie in. Yeah. So they also said that eliminating the student debt would actually increase the net worth of the average American household. And of course, duh, because 
they no longer have crippling debt. But they also say it could send $1.1 trillion to the economy over the next decade, which is a lot of money. I uh, think that's kind of conservative, too. Yeah. I, that was, yeah, it, I because Medium, Slate, some other left, like the hard left-leaning websites that I was looking at, they they always had it like in the the 1.6, 1.7, somewhere around that range. But uh, the Bards. Is it's, hard, it's hard to project out of 10 years. I understand yeah. that. But I think that um, certainly would be a, a net a net gain there. For sure. Uh, yeah, just like we were talking about with Eric. Um, and then also the increased amount of disposable income could help more young entrepreneurs start their yeah. businesses. Uh, they also said that it can lead up to 1.5 million new jobs in the United States um, per year. 1.5 million new jobs per year, not in a 10-year period. They were projecting that mm-hmm. every single year after uh, student loan forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you saying this is the one time a broken window liberal policy is going to stimulate the economy? Are you agreeing <laughs> with this? You're no, on just, board with this? I'm just pointing out what this uh, what the Levy Economics Institute has to say about it. Are you buying any of this, Mason? 1.5 seems a little steep. You gotta be, you pulling a Democrat ballot uh, this November or not November, next May. Uh, We'll get through it. You gotta pull that lever for Elizabeth Warren. Uh, My lady Warren. I'm with her. Well, it is, (laughs) it is the one time fix. I mean, you don't theoretically, you can't pull the rabbit out of the hat again. Uh, because it's just not there to be had, right? And that was that was one of the cons that was brought up by the Manhattan Institute. Yeah. They said, it, "Oh, don't think it, that we won't raise, uh, we won't get in student loan debt after this, right?" As a society, <laughs> I mean, yeah. systemically, we'll have to forgive it again somewhere else. You would have to overhaul everything, and I don't think that there's any Democrat with enough political clout to do that. No, um, especially with Congress as it is now. And by the way, how unfair is it to everybody that went through college, like I did? Mm. That's, that's just like a minute. Yeah. That went to two years of community <laughs> college and was a commuter student and suffered through and worked and, and found found scholarships and found ways to, to work for an employer that paid for it. I would say this. That, that scrimped and scraped and, and, and had no money to start but found a way to get through without student loans. If it's something that improves the economy generally. I want mine. Well, there's want, there's a lot. I of want things. my fifty thousand dollar the, uh, check. There's a lot of there's a lot of Republican or or Libertarian policies that would not necessarily affect me that I would support because mm-hmm. it, it it better[s] the economy in general. But uh, there, there will what, be a there will be a side of the economy or a side of the stakeholders that are going to say they're going to raise their hand and say I want my cut. Or you're no longer yeah. a stakeholder if you don't own debt. I mm-hmm. I'm in the society. Well, it's <laughs> what what let's uh. Louis C.K. has has that quote of the only other the only time you should look in your brother's cup is to make sure he has enough. Not that's, to ask what that's what Louis C.K. is known for. Yes, are we allowed quote, to are we allowed to quote Louis C.K. <laughs> anymore? I don't know if it's time yet. This is your podcast, is it, not mine. I don't know if it's he's I don't touring if, again. It's okay. I don't know if enough time has passed. Listen, he apologized. Louis C.K. He's Mason, touring again. Was a was a comedian who used to be widely accepted as funny. Extremely f- famous, and then Me Too happened. Yeah, I, I, I you know the story. I, I, I know a little bit of it. He was, was alive then. Yeah, he was alive a year ago. Then. I'm going to just explain everything to him. George W. Bush was a war criminal president. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they, uh, the other he was concern, probably president when you were born, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> the other concern, and I, I think that this is actually the biggest concern from the Manhattan Institute, and I. 
was uh, talking about the 2% levy on the 1% wealth right. uh, would actually not come close to paying for the proposed right. solution. It would raise $275 billion and she needs, what, 640 and the top 1% are pretty good at not paying taxes. <laughs> the so. important thing to remember is <laughs> the other thing. Because they got <laughs> the federal dang government lawyers. A little slippery. <laughs> the federal government never pays for anything. They don't pay for wars. They don't pay right. for tax cuts. Right. None of this. 20 years ago when you're proposing this, this stuff actually had to make sense and match. Right. Katie barred the door. We're, we're adding a trillion to, to 1.5 sure. trillion a sure. year in debt. We're, it does not matter. We as voters don't give a damn. doesn't have to tie. We don't practice accounting. doesn't yep. matter. It's a non-starter. Well, when the banks come in after the the financial crisis and they say, well, either you give us exactly what we want or there's going to be martial law in the streets and there's going to be blood in the streets. And then it's going to be bloody. And then they get exactly what they want and they get the golden parachutes. And then you have a whole generation of people really struggling with this, looking for a real solution. Mm -hmm. And then you have a whole party that just does not care at all about this i find it really troubling and i think that the warren proposal is problematic and i think that it would have to require some wide sweeping systemic change that nobody has the stomach for what it's going to take is a a a comprehensive uh list of things that from after doing a a multivariable analysis of what what are the true reasons and what are the things that we can immediately fix and what are some of the things that that need to be fixed as we continue down this road? Right. It's not going to be the Warren plan is just slapping the Band-Aid on the, symptom, on the, the six-inch cut. Yeah. The, um, they also said that, you know, listen, the federal government has so many other obligations and we can't pay it. We're $22 trillion in debt. And Social Security... Medicare, Medicaid are expected to be deflated in by 2035. Why are we talking about trying to implement new taxes to pay for new programs? It's, it's what, it is what they because wound up ending the argument on. In 10 or 15, 20 years, you're going to have real civil unrest over the fact that all these people have defaulted, cannot get credit now, and yeah. are just stuck in this re- in this existence. And, and then uh, it's you know if you listen to Andrew Yang, all those people are unemployed because this their is, jobs have been taken by robots. This has turned into the most second, the second most sad and depressing part of the show tonight. Yang gang. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, oh, he oh, are you remember the Yang gang? He addressed his followers as the Yang gang. Yeah. on a live stream. It's like a Reddit thing, apparently. But I'm too old to know act, about Reddit. A, Do you a, know about Reddit Yang gang at all? It was a four- yeah. I know about Reddit. I'm not, I wasn't morning <laughs> on bots. It's like what about it, Yang gang? It was actually. I, I defer to our relative or our uh, resident young person. The Tide Pod yeah, yeah. in the corner. It was actually started on 4chan. <gasps> 4chan, uh-oh. Yeah. This is a, it's a hotbed of And the, the reason the that it, it started over there was it was, you know, the all right now hates <gasps> Trump, if you don't know. because oh, they he, turned on him? Yeah, because he's in so, uh, he's, he he's supports Israel so much and they hate <laughs> Jews. So, they, so, so now they hate him. So then they said, listen, uh, everything that we want, uh, nothing uh, even this guy we loved isn't able to deliver right so let's just keep things going the way that we hate but we might as well get a thousand dollars a month so, the, so that was the start of yang gang. so the alt, alt-right turned into yang gang yeah okay yeah we've seen generation after generation has said okay we're in so much debt we're going to be in debt 
it literally is the proverbial kicking the can down the road. You just want to have your life come and go before we have to pay the piper. That's that's what's happening here. So we we restructure the debt, we borrow it, and we just hope that we're dead and gone before it becomes a problem. So we're twenty two trillion in debt. Uh, the the one serious proposal we see out there right now is this: Hey, we're going to free up half of the debt for the individuals and take it on on the federal side, which is. Very problematic. Mm -hmm. What other solutions are there actually out there? Are there any other serious proposals, Dakota? Yeah, there are a couple. Uh, One of the ones that I actually really liked, and Gary Johnson talked about this during the 2016 campaign, and he got a lot of hate from the purest libertarians, uh, was he he talked about Oregon's pay-it-forward, pay-it-back program, which was uh, enacted over there in 2013. But basically, the state pays for the students to attend an in-state college for four years. The state pays for it. And then once that student graduates and they start working, then the student pays back the state in a form of just like it's it's just added on to their taxes. It's automatically taken out of their paycheck. And that is based on a scale of how much you actually earn an income. So, so that we, is... That really dovetails into Purdue and what Purdue's done yeah. with the back of the boiler program. Um, one That's other another one that, one, yeah, cool proposal. One that did not make the list, the state of Tennessee, if you go to an in-state school, your first two years are, are free. Yep. So you, you, go, you're, you you're get student, an associate's you go, degree. Yeah, you get an associate's degree. There's no cost at all. Um, so back of boiler is something that uh, Purdue came out with about two years ago. Uh, in their program, you have to be a Purdue University student. It's not available to freshmen, but it is for sophomores uh, on up. Um, you have a you get an interest free loan uh, up to say five thousand dollars, I think, per semester, uh, somewhere in that range. We'll, we'll say five thousand for now. We'll use round numbers. Five thousand bucks a semester. Uh, you can you don't have to use the whole thing if you don't want to, um, and you do not pay interest on it your repay is 10% of your income until 10 years has gone by or you have paid back two and a half times what you borrowed. So it's interest-free. And these are private individuals that are are, choosing to back Purdue University. Purdue University alumni that are funding this program. It's an investment for them, and and that's why it's called back a boiler. You're, You're a boiler alum. You put money in a pot, and then Purdue as a community decides that they're going to fund this. It's a voluntary program. No interest. The nice thing, the appealing side to me is, okay, if you graduate from college Mason at 23 years old, 22 years old, no matter what you are done with your obligation in 10 years. So you're Mm -hmm. 32, 33 year old, you are free and you're good to go. So that's, that solves the, I'm saddled with this. I can't get rid of it. I've got it for life. I can't bankrupt it. You're good. And you can also pay it off early. So if you land the job where it's just insane and you're going to do insanely well, say you borrowed $20,000 through this program, you pay back $50,000 and you're free and clear forever. You're good. Or you pay 10% of what you're making until you've paid back two and a half times or you get to the 10 year mark, any of those. This is not necessarily completely designed to replace student loans, but it's another tool in the toolbox um, that I really think is, instead of having the federal government pay for this, right, mm-hmm. you're using the Purdue University, the Alumni Association, the alumni program to do that. And there's a, and they're there's making money on it. Also proposals of, of 
not forcing um, state or private colleges to curb the um, amount of faculty faculty they have, the amount of buildings that they build, which is where a lot of our cost comes from, is the outrageous amount of administrators on college campuses now. And, um, but there is, there are ideas rather of encouragement from the federal government of, uh, we have these grants, but you hired this many more people last year and raised your tuition rates this much. So you're automatically taken out of the equation for this money Mm -hmm. and doing so the idea is everybody's going to do what Mitch Daniels has done at Purdue and freeze their tuition rates and decide we're not raising costs because we're going to find ways to trim the fat here, mm-hmm. which is absolutely amazing that Mitch Daniels is, is doing that without that other type of encouragement coming mm-hmm. from or coming through. What is it going on seven years that he hasn't raised the tuition? So. It's, it's been a decent amount. Yeah. And every time something like that comes along, he shoots an email to us. Um, just recently, they announced the tuition freeze. And I'm going to find that. They announced the tuition freeze through, I think it's like 2022. Um, so you're going to pay the same throughout your entire so, college program. Yeah. Well, until I get into grad school, because Purdue University does uh, – like two years, <laughs> two years, um, grad school. two years undergrad. I'm going to be Doctor Mason if everything goes okay. Um, but yeah, I am going to be kind of a doctor. You're going to wear a white lab coat, right? <laughs> it counts, Doctor. Uh, no, I'm kind of a lawyer. So, so. It says, uh, <laughs> it's all good. So this coming year will be the eighth year. So seven previously through 2021. But also, um, it says a 2.5% merit raise pool for all the faculty and staff and all staff on the campus making less than 75000 or less receive a one-time $500 appreciation bonus in the spring. And they've actually been cracking down. I always hear on campus about like, oh, there's a meeting tonight with you know, board members and alumni about the tuition freeze and how much longer he's going to be able to do it. Um, I also heard rumor, but like it hasn't been like announced. He doesn't take any. Um, he works for free. He, yeah, I'm not going to say that. No, he doesn't work for free, but he doesn't take. Um, he doesn't take a salary from paid for by the school. It's he takes a lot less than he should. Yeah. I mean, so, he only made 130 grand a year as governor, and y'all give him free housing up there. Yeah, right? he lives right there off the campus. And you ever visit him? You ever hang out with Mitch? I kind of want to have dinner with him, but you should try to make that. He, happen. And he's not a hard guy to find. He looks like John Andretti. It, make that happen. Just, bring him back as a guest. Yeah, he doesn't. I I would love to have Mitch Daniels here as a guest. I'm gonna try that. I would, I would just for the occasion. I would put one of those yeah. little stickers on the back of my truck that had the, has the caricature peeing on the my man Mitch <laughs> thing. I'd be like, oh, sorry, sir. Uh, How did you see my truck? <laughs> I had uh, pulls up, sees that, just I drives was, away. <laughs> Mitch, <laughs> when Mitch was running for governor, it was one of the most interesting. It was 2004. I was a college student, and he came to visit my school, yeah. and I signed the, you did uh, the bus. I signed the bus. Yeah, yeah. I, he came to Ivy Tech in Muncie at the time. It was a big deal. Um. He All right, a big deal. So then, very impressive. Then guy. we have the Yang Gang proposal. Uh, so Yang Gang, Yang Gang, <laughs> Andrew Yang has proposed uh, to make student debt. He's got uh, basically these uh, these four steps to his plan. He wants to make student debt dischargeable in bankruptcy. Yes, yeah, absolutely. 
uh, that started getting harder from Jimmy Carter, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he says that uh, he wants students to make payments based on a percent of their income, and he wants it to come out of your paycheck just like a tax. And then he wants to eliminate all interest rates on subsidizing as well as unsubsidized loans. So he wants to make law, even if you get a personal loan paying for your college, there is no interest rate. That's never going to happen. <laughs> why Why would you have any incentive whatsoever to make that loan? You wouldn't. If you are, if you are Chase Bank right. and you're offering student loans, you're doing that because you Out of are the goodness going to, of their heart, man. You right. are going to no, make pri- money for the... For the bank. Privately, it'll know? never happen. It'll never pass. It's, but yeah. if you are still saying that the federal government should be in the business of providing loans, I think that's something that a very liberal Congress could get behind and say, we're going to do that. I mean, I guess there's deeper philosophical questions as to should the government charge interest on student loans? Should the government be in student loan interest industry in the first place? Right. And, and when, he when also, you get into... He also wants to increase yeah, the bureaucracy around college <laughs> tuition. So he wants he wants you to go. He wants there to be a group of people, and they say uh, Purdue University, Mitch Daniels, you have to drop your tuition rates, and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. So that that's the that's the Yang Gang proposal. And then there's also the proposal of uh, you know Mitch McConnell. Yeah. And President Donald J. Trump, um, and that is the old do nothing. Proposal. Do nothing because yeah. you're not a bank or a coal company or whatever we're going to care about. I'm like, uh, Are, man, I'm, you're, you're crowded out. That, that I, my I problem got, is, is that I when got you an extra grind, don't I? When you <laughs> when you have federal <laughs> student loans, <laughs> there is no aggressive marketing of student loans. Nobody's trying to be your student loan company. Right? It's, it's a, not, a you're it's a last resort, and you're not competing. It's not. Hey, here's these 15 banks that want to do business with you and they're trying it, it's not they're not on TV trying to sell you student loans. Right. They're not they're not showing up at places where the people that need to make a decision on a student loan are. That is not there's not a market for that. And I think it's because we have these super cheap student loans mm-hmm. from the federal level. Right. And they're they're no risk. There's no people take them that should never take them. There's no prequalification or and I I feel like this is an opinion from me. This is not based in fact, but I don't, and I, I don't think it's a stretch. People get in programs that they shouldn't borrowing that money. Mm-hmm. You end up with mm-hmm. $200,000 in right. debt and it would be a program that would never right. be able to earn enough to justify that. Right. And I think that if there were, if there were libertarian principles in place, we wouldn't have a government involved in student loans to begin with. So we wouldn't necessarily we wouldn't have in this, this, problem. this type of a problem. Maybe but we're a, pregnant, right? Let's maybe, solve it. But yeah. we're here so now. Here we let's, are. So let's double down on it's so free for everybody. Well, I, I, I don't agree with that either. Um, I, I think that one of the things that I, I really think about is that for, for the higher income earner or someone that has, is a young professional that they're doing all right, but they're, you know, they're paying a lot of taxes, make student loan interest deductible. It's yep. not costing the government anything. Allow me to deduct more from my taxes. Like the the limit is like two thousand dollars. You guys know this per year. Yeah, you get you got a tax credit. The first two years I had, I got a tax credit of. It wasn't a deduction. It was truly a you know what I paid in taxes. Right. I got as a right. as a straight up credit off of my taxes. So my you know I deal with like this deduction that's just absurdly low. 
And it was probably set around the Civil War or whatever. <laughs> and it's never changed because nobody cares. I mean, that would be something where you're not handing anybody money. You're just allowing people to keep more of their money. After the right. most recent tax reform that happened, yeah. um, I would be interested to see what number of people actually were able to itemize. But not it's many. a very difficult number to, to itemize. You would have to have yeah. – after the, after the latest tax reform, it would be – I don't know how many people <laughs> – Definitely nobody in the targeted classes of Elizabeth mm-hmm. Warren. You could mm-hmm. make it all entirely tax deductible mm-hmm. and still probably not get enough to want to itemize versus take the standard deduction. Oh, yeah. Because you would have to be paying. I mean, it would it would be off the charts. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Off the charts to the point where you probably weren't able to make your payments anyway. Right. It, 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 am I crazy? Anybody? No, 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 no. I mean, that I would just on the right track. The, the theory, yeah. I mean, because it's like twenty thousand dollars a year, right? Your your standard deduction for a couple, it's like twenty two thousand, twenty four thousand. Yeah, yeah. So you would have to have it's twelve for singles. So you say you've got a couple. I, I just maybe maybe if you're a ridiculously generous person, giving mm-hmm. giving, and you can take mileage, it would just it would be so difficult to get to that number that it would be the extreme to me. I, I, I it's don't difficult dis- to get to that number regardless. Right. But, but I think I, that, even if you had student loans in, I just don't know that that's a. There's a certain cap as to what you get credited for or allowed to deduct. Right. And that cap shouldn't exist. Right. But I, I'm saying even yeah. if you remove that cap, I don't think it solves the problem. If you really want to make mm-hmm. that matter, I think you need to give it as a t- as the credit. So the tuition okay. paid, because there was a number right. where you could take a certain amount off in tuition paid. Right. That's where you would have to make it a credit instead of a, instead sure. of a deduction. Yeah. I mean. These are policy questions that libertarians and Republicans should be talking about. There should be no income tax. Taxation is well. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. Atom bomb. You just solve this little uh, fly sweater problem with the atom bomb. Uh, There we go. Just a review. Real quick. Problem fix. Real quick, Forbes uh, article. It says 9 and 10 are going to claim the standard deduction under the tax reform. So you're looking at 10% people itemizing. Yeah. I Mm. think that's pretty optimistic as well yeah yeah, yeah. definitely for sure but <laughs> yeah i so can't here's a i i don't see i you need to be in a multi-million dollar house i mean it would just be insane to have enough interest to do that mm-hmm. to, to the areas where you get it it's just not or, or medical expenses you know you, you had you, you had be able the to massive write off, medical expenses i guess you wouldn't be able to write off all of your it wouldn't solve the whole problem it would just relieve pressure on on people I feel like you'd fill out a form and feel like you got something. You get on the back end, you just be pissed that you're like, "Oh, damn it! I saved all those receipts, and it meant nothing. (laughs) It meant nothing." But Nancy Pelosi got to celebrate. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just Debbie Downer today. Here's a uh, to to cap off our conversation about colleges. A little fun fact for everybody: the very first graduating class of Harvard University was in 1642. Mm And it was when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. It was close. There were nine men. Only nine men in the very first graduating class. So is that even a university then? Is like that's just like a just nine these nine guys like a book reading. It was in their hearts. These nine (laughs) millionaires built a castle and they were like We're going to put our books here and give ourselves a university was a collection of books. It was a library. In in seventeen (laughs) ninety, I think you just said, Hey, I'm a lawyer and nobody, right. I mean, there was no, yeah. there wasn't a bar. Yeah, Abe Lincoln wasn't passing the bar. I'm sorry. Right. It, it was like the, uh, you go around, you say, I'm a lawyer. This is, this is, f- there are five lawyers in this room in Lincoln's like being a, being it's, a it's doctor. You walked into a, 
a town in uh, the West, and you went, Hello, sir, my name is uh, uh, Jonathan Schwarzenkopf, and I am a great lawyer from the city of New York. And they were like, My head hurts. Wow. You should do cocaine about it. That's about, that's the, yeah. All right. So we've solved everything. Uh, Yes. Congressman Pence, I'm glad you're watching. I look forward to enacting all of the laws that Dakota promote. That's true. And if you listen to this show on the We Are Libertarians daily side of things, then uh, this is the end of the program for you guys. You can listen to the rest of it at bosshogofliberty.com or search for us on your favorite podcast player. Or maybe it'll be up on YouTube by the time you listen to this. Who knows? Uh, just want to say thank you to Sean thank you. and as well as Mason, both of you guys for coming out and talking to us about uh, student loans and the cost of tuition and both of your very relevant experiences. Uh, Bosshogofliberty.com. We'll see you all over there.